Boomtron. 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 Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Netflix OGs get your groove on. We talk about it all, we could be wrong. Kill the better views like a Demogorgon. Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Just a few guys talking about the originals. Yo, pick a favorite show, we can put it on. We know it also, nothing's atypical. And welcome to the Boomtron Podcast. This is episode 27. I am Diego. I'm joined by Amy. And once again, we are joined by Mark. We are Damonless. What's up? So Yeah. Damonless um two weeks in a row. Or two episodes in a row, right? So two episodes we'll have to in see a row. if it Hurts our ratings or boosts our ratings? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to. He's been real quiet with the numbers, so, uh, so I'm curious to see if he's hiding them from us because he's. Uh, I've. He, <laughs> I feel Everybody. like that's a possibility. <laughs> this, we'll have to see. We'll have to. This is Mark. If you're listening, download, share with your friends, have them all download. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, there, you know, this was a kind of weird week for us because we didn't really see a lot of shows that caught our attention shows or movies so we're going to talk about two movies that came out in the last uh, couple couple weeks one being the woman in the window mm-hmm. and the other one being army of the dead yeah so why don't we start guys- with woman of the window I- i'll be honest i know we normally talk about other things we watch i really haven't seen anything else on netflix um i've been watching not a Netflix original, so if Damon was here, I wouldn't be allowed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but I've been watching um, Call the Midwife, and that is usually what I've been watching when I'm not watching something for the show. So I haven't seen, I didn't even watch Camp Cretaceous yet. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty behind on my Netflix viewing. What about either of you see anything else? I got into Robots, uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Which oh, was... I did watch that. I did watch that. I like it. You know, I like the, the episodes are so short and the stories are like real quick and to the point. So I, I enjoy that. The the animation is so well done. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like regardless, regardless of the episode, because episodes, each episode, they kind of try to, I guess, shift the animation a little bit. Not so much mm-hmm. this season as it was in, you know, volume one. But I, I like that show. I think it's different, which, you know, is real good when so many things kind of are the same. And some I of that got animation is so lifelike. Yeah. Like some of the animation, right. I'm like, wait a minute, are these act like is this an actor or is this drawn? And it's not until like another character will come in or they'll be moving and they're just a little bit stiff. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a drawing because I feel like some of that animation, like some of it are, is clearly animation, but some of those I was like, holy cow. And I got, I think I gotta maybe... tell you because of you guys, I went back and started watching. Uh, Death, love, death, and robots. I never watched it before. And, oh, uh, I'm I'm digging it. I'm only a few episodes into season one, but uh, you know, me being father of the year, season one, episode one, my four year old walks in and he's like, "Robots." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, check it out." And then like skeletons, <laughs> f bombs, and he's just like, "Daddy, go, go, get out." I, I yeah. will have to say that in in, in volume one. The stories were a little bit more kind of like um, I don't know if you guys ever read Chris Van Allsburg books. No. But yeah, 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 yeah. It, they were always kind of like that where like something would happen and you kind of had to infer a little bit or like there was a little bit of mystery involved in it. Yeah. Um, not. I, I feel like the episodes that I've seen so far, everything's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um. So, so I do miss that that was in volume one, but I still like it nonetheless. 
And yeah, then I got to good. finish watching Selena. Um, oh, yeah, I finished that too. Sorry. Good show. Ugh, good show. You yeah. know, and, you know, if you know the story, you know what's <laughs> you know what's going to happen, which is uh, mm-hmm. very unfortunate. Uh, but just, I think Amy, you might have talked about it last time about just how you're watching everything lead up to that moment, and mm-hmm. it's like, damn, like they knew, they knew something, but they didn't know, and it's like, right. Ugh. And so, well, I, I feel like, like even even the way they handled that moment, because really in the moment there was nobody there except for for her and Selena, and just the fact that they chose not to show that moment. I thought was a really powerful, I don't know, part in the show because again, nobody nobody really knows how it went, you know, with the words that were said or how it went down right, in that right. moment, and they just left it. They didn't try to interpret it, and ugh, it was so good. It was you know, so good. Yeah. I, I I'm living in Texas now, and back mm-hmm. when Selena was killed, I was living in San Antonio specifically, um, mm. you know, just a stone's throw from Corpus Christi. And um, the the grief that descended upon the residents of our state was palpable. And so right. for me, there's I, I've heard nothing but praise for this show. And there's a part of me that's like, I, I don't even want to tap into that. Like, yeah, I, but I feel like listening to you guys, I need to go watch it. But for me, it's going to be like, like, you know, watching This Is Us where, you know, you're just going to cry. But you still right. kind of <laughs> want to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, it's. I was going to say, it's a well uh, done show. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You yeah, should watch everything it. Everything I've heard about it is like leading me in that direction. Um, I've been watching see uh, all of season one and starting season two of Who Killed Sarah. Oh I yes, love that. Show. Yes, I it's so good. I haven't started season two, but I loved season one. Yeah, I have not is, watched any of it. it. Season two turns a corner real fast, but it's it's the whole <laughs> thing is so campy and so fun to watch. Uh, um, so I'm enjoying it. Okay. All right. Good deal. So we've been, so I guess we have watched some stuff. I thought I hadn't watched anything, but I guess I forgot. So, all right. So let's talk about the woman in the window. Yeah. Let's talk about it and let's get done with it real quick because I think exactly. we're all kind of in agreement. Uh, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. No. I, I, so I, I didn't like it either. I felt like the end made me like it a little more. Like, as I was watching it, I I literally found it difficult to watch. Not because I was like, oh, this is so emotional. But, I mean, it. I was like, oh, really? Like, there were just scenes when I was like, Ugh. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it could have been a really good movie. I, I have the book. Um, I think I read it. As I'm watching, I'm like, God, this is familiar. And like I kept imagining the cover of the book and finally I had to Google it and I was like, oh yeah, I have this book. Um, But there was just, so first of all, it's Amy Adams, it's Julianne Moore, it's Gary Oldman. Um, So there's there's really big names in the cast and it's this woman, it's Amy. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. It's, and Amy Adams is agoraphobic and she won't leave the house and she's, drinking all the time and she's taking medication that she's not supposed to be taking with the alcohol but she's doing it anyway and across the she's separated from her husband is what they say at the beginning of the movie and her daughter is with her husband and they call every day and someone new moves in across the street 
and a boy comes over one day and she's talking to him and he's a little bit he's a teenager but he's like a little bit awkward and a little off and then one day his mother comes over and they she they strike up this real fast friendship and then later that and night she sees the mother killed through the window across the street and she so calls the police. Julianne Moore you're talking about. Yes, yes. And so Amy Adams calls the police and she's like, oh, Jane Russell, she was just murdered, blah, 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 blah. And the cops check it out and they come over and they say, you know, ma'am, this is Mr. Russell and this is his son and this is his wife and it's a completely different woman. Um, and just, and it's Jennifer Jason Lee who, you know, always plays a character that's just super off and i'm like well of course it's jennifer jason lee um but like just watching the whole thing unfold if i had to look at amy adams in another oversized moo robe yes. thing i i didn't know what that like i didn't understand why that was the choice um and then i i i don't know the scene i think the worst scene in the film for me was the scene, and again, we do do spoilers here, so here's a big one, um, was the scene where she's confronted by the police and the husband and the wife again, and it's revealed that her children, her husband and her child are actually dead. And they died in a car accident that she was driving. And like, she's looking at them and she's talking to them. And then all of a sudden she turns her head and she's looking through an archway in the house, but she's seeing the scene where they're in the car. And it was just so weirdly done in a, in a movie that didn't seem like it was like an avant-garde or noir kind of, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what? Stop it. And the way they were lined up behind her, I thought it was about to break into like a musical number. Yeah. It was so bizarre. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Awkward. Like every... Yeah. It was awkward. The scenes were awkward. I hated how the son, Ethan, was supposed to be like hiding in in her house for a week and she didn't even know. Yeah. Like just... It was just ridiculous things. Let me jump in. For no reason. Speaking of the ridiculous, because that's, for me, I mean, there were definitely some things I liked about, which I'll put nod to in a minute. But the first thing, like, they introduced, like, they introduced the house as a character, which I, yeah. in terms of the cinematography and the lighting, which I thought was cool. And you can't necessarily do in a book. And you would see the curtains cast a shadow across her face that showed maybe she wasn't in reality. And the lights would like her room would be entirely lit in pink or then later on it would be a cold blue. And it was sort of this kind of manic depression that, you know, she seems to be going through. Like I dug that. I thought that was cool. But this house is so big. And the part I I called a realtor friend of mine in New York and I was like, what would that house cost? That brownstone. (laughs) And he's like 8 million. (laughs) He's like, he's like easily seven, eight million. And I'm like, so she owns this house. She can afford this therapist to come to her home three times a week. And as as someone with a psych degree, house calls don't happen. But right, right. And so she needs a tenant in her basement. Like, so that part I I was stuck on. And then he right at the beginning says, oh, your roof is really dangerous. You better be careful up there. I'm like, gee, wonder where that's going. As soon as that happened, my husband goes... So, David's falling through the skylight. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, seriously. And, um, but so, uh, yeah, that that part bothered me. I, I I dug the sort of film noir feeling they were going for, but I didn't need them to keep showing me noir films in black and white to be like, hey, look what kind of movie we're gonna be. 
Right. That's you know, very I, true. She loves movies. That's great. But it's like every film they pop up on the screen. And they literally put rear window yeah, on the I screen, know. you know, which yeah. was this whole movie was like like the the forgotten, you know, ignored you know, eaten in utero twin of Rear right. Window. <laughs> so it was Rear... I, I felt like it was Rear Window and Disturbia. Did you ever see Disturb? I think it was just Suburbia. Suburbia. No, Disturbia. I don't know. The one with Shia LaBeouf <laughs> and... Yeah, that's... Dis- yeah, Disturbia. Suburbia was Disturbia. The, the series with Zoe's Infinite Play. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. Um, yeah, so Disturbia where Shia LaBeouf is... The same kind of thing, right? Like, he's pretty sure that his neighbor has killed someone and he's watching him through the window. I mean, it was this... It. I was like, I've seen this before. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, and I feel like that was what they were trying to do. They were trying to make it different so that it wasn't like Rear Window and it wasn't like Disturbia, but it was. And it, it was super easy to figure out. Like, I, I guess I can't say it was super easy to figure out because... Like my husband kept saying, he's like, I think it's, I think it's her. Like I think she's the killer, and like, you know, when she's she's drinking and she's going into the kind of these fugue states or whatever, maybe she doesn't realize what she's doing. And I never thought it was her, but I I don't know. I didn't really kind of care. Yeah. Like well, you know, Julianne Moore was my favorite part. I mean, Amy Adams is amazing, and I loved what she did with what they gave her, but they kind of handed her a, a crap sandwich with, yeah. you know, but Julianne Moore, her, the writing for her character, like everything about her was just funny and weird and socially awkward and mysterious. When oh, she that was, was the most uncomfortable conversation they had in I that know. kitchen. And when she's I, like, I, you're, I like you're a therapist. That's a twist. Like, I love that. I thought that was so funny. Right. But, um, so when she said, you're Jane Russell. And when Amy Adams said that, and she turned around and goes, why would you say that? Or whatever her line mm. was. Okay, that was a little clue. But then right. five minutes later, she opens up her locket. And look, there's baby Ethan in the locket. I'm like, we don't need both of them. Okay, it's the birth mother. We get right, it. Right, right. Give me one or the other and then let me put it together. I mean, from the moment, um, I, what was the other actress? That, the, the real Jane Russell? I forget her name. I just remember the bad uh, wig. Jennifer Jason Lee. When Jennifer Jason Lee wigged out, you know, came in with her wig, I was like, oh, okay. So the, <laughs> one, the other one was the birth mother. Like, it was right. just instantly. So. Right. Yeah, it was, I just, again, I what great actors in this movie. Um, and I also, I felt like the dollhouse thing was too pushed in our face. The, every scene, they keep showing these dollhouses in the background, dollhouses in the background. And I'm like, all right, what, what are we symbolizing here? Like that, you know, she is looking out, like people look inside dollhouses, like she's looking in, or does she feel like she's in a dollhouse? And then the very last scene, when she's suddenly all better nine months later, um, and then she's like walking down the stairs in her brownstone, but suddenly we're looking at her like she's in a dollhouse, right? There's Mm -hmm. no wall next to the stairs. We're literally just looking at her come down the stairs, and I'm like, okay, so here's where they're, I guess, tying together the dollhouse thing, but they're not really, because they've never really... I don't know. I felt like it was just trying too hard to be more sophisticated than it was. And it mm-hmm. just fell short. And I was so sad because I love Amy Adams. And I, it made me sad that she had to be in this movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what's interesting? I just, uh, again, after I watched the movie, I go and look for any kind of production notes or like Easter eggs that I've missed or whatever. I control the internet a bit. Um, this movie had a bunch of reshoots because they said the ending was too confusing. 
And it, hmm. was, it was supposed to come out pre-COVID, but because of the reshoots, it shut down for a year. Which, interestingly enough, I think made the movie, it gave the movie accidentally a layer of interest that wouldn't have been there and is so desperately needed of that feeling of being shut in and COVID mm. and what day of the week is it? I don't know. Oh, but look, there it is on the screen. It's Tuesday, you know? Right. Um, so I thought that was kind of like an interesting way to look at her, you know, agoraphobia through the lens of what we've all been going through, you know, for the last year yeah. and so many months. Um, I do have to tell you though, and I'm going to throw in a dad joke, but <laughs> The baggy clothes thing drove me nuts because yeah. I kept getting taken out of the scene. I'm like, is, she, is Amy Adams pregnant? Is is Anna Fox pregnant? The character she's playing? Like, right. why is she dressed like this? Um, you know, is her laundry machine broken? But um, right. Uh, so I googled agoraphobia and clothing to see if there was some kind of a symptom I wasn't aware of. Didn't find anything, but what I did find was a t-shirt that says, agoraphobia, it's what's on the inside that counts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's terrible. That's Sorry. terrible. Sorry to anyone <laughs> suffering agoraphobia. I apologize. Yeah, that's terrible. But, but, and the, the roommate thing too, like that was just a weird thing. Like, I feel like the only reason the roommate was there but, and her, her therapist said like, you're going to need to have somebody else. So I guess it's that she couldn't be alone because they hinted at the fact that she had tried to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that that's why she had to have the tenant in the basement. But I felt like he was really just there. So that there's somebody else who's interacted with the birth mother. And like a red herring at times too. He became increasingly ruder and more hostile and his circumstances more suspicious. And she was Yeah, he was like, so nice at the beginning. Let me take out was, your garbage. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was so composed. You know, you would think that with all of her fears about what's what could be outside, like hanging out one floor below, that she might be a little more nervous around him. And that I thought was right. kind of weird too. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. So, all around, thumbs down? Uh, yeah, I need, all the way. Yeah, I need extra <laughs> thumbs for this many down. Like, like. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thumbs down a little to the side, but not like fully to the side. <laughs> it takes a lot for me to have a full thumbs down. Um, oh, this is all the way, this, both thumbs. This one was, was really that. almost there. I, like I said, I felt like at the end, suddenly... The rest of the movie, like sometimes, you know how I've said on several occasions, like when when I'm reading a series of books and then I get to the last book and it sucks, then it ruins the whole rest of the series for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like the fact that the end of this movie, I don't know, it kind of redeemed the rest of the movie just a teensy bit for me. But I, I was, this was not, this was no good for me. So, no. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. So let's talk about um, Army of the Dead. And I have it. to be honest, this is not my kind of movie. I love zombie movies. What I don't love, and I've said this on several occasions, I especially said this when we were talking about um, Shadow and Bone, I don't love a heist story. And that's really what this was. It was a heist story. And mm. I don't love that in a storyline. And we watched, so we watched... The Woman in the Window on Saturday night. And we finished around, I don't know, like 11, 11.30. And I'm like, all right, let's watch the next one. And I was watching with my husband and my daughter. And they're both like, you want to start it now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good to go. I had some caffeine. Let's watch. And I would say we watched like 20 minutes of it. And I was like, I can't. 
I can't do this. I, I don't want to watch this. And they're like, you have to watch oh, it. You're talking about no. it. And I was like, I don't want to watch this. I, I can't do it tonight. So I went to bed and then I woke up today and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it because I have to, because I do my job. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to watch it while I'm doing something else. So I folded laundry while my husband and I watched. And the more that I watched, eventually I just kind of set the laundry to the side and I sat down because it really started to catch me. And I wound up really <laughs> enjoying this movie. Oh, good. So, yeah, I'm this glad that I stuck like, with it. This was like Ocean's Eleven meets a zombie movie. Like the whole mm-hmm. the whole premise of them, like, like you said, a heist movie. And then you have Dave Bautista and his friend, the lady, looking for a crew, like putting together the crew. Like that right. was that was Ocean's Eleven right there. You see like what everyone's an expert on, and you see the little quirks and whatnot. Like I really enjoyed this movie as well. I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was just gonna be like ridiculousness after ridiculousness, but it was awesome. The zombie tiger was awesome. Oh seriously. Oh yeah, and it had kind of because of the whole like nuclear bomb on the way. It had to kind of escape from New York, ticking clock thing. Going. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I like that Definitely. too. Um, so, go ahead, go ahead, Mark. The, the paratrooper at the very beginning, the paratrooper um, descending into the crowd of zombies and then his death under the bloody parachute, like yeah. that visually, I'm like, okay, they're doing new stuff I haven't seen and I am here for it. Let's go. Right. And I, right. I, I so loved it. Basically, the premise, right, of the whole movie is you, you kind of see like an origin of the zombie virus kind of thing that it looks mm-hmm. like it's military made, which... Every time I feel like we watch a zombie movie or we like we don't know a lot of times like where the first zombie came from. Right. And I kind of like that you kind of see like why well, what's looks like it's a military. It looks like they were messing around. And so like you have this what they call alpha zombie. Pretty much beats up all the military people in Las gets to Las Vegas and then Las Vegas just goes rampant with zombies and they end up boxing Vegas during all the opening the, credits. Yes. <laughs> right. During like so the first like 15 10 minute 10 15 minutes you're getting the the origin of the zombie Vegas being like closed off from the rest of the country and the president going to nuke Vegas to get rid of all the zombies. Right. And then you got right. Dave Batista who gets uh you know approached to go get all this money this heist and that's that's pretty much the movie and as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so here's the one thing that I was a little unclear about. And my husband and I were talking about it. I'm like, did did it happen when I was folding laundry and I just wasn't paying attention? And he's like, (laughs) you know what? I don't remember them explaining that either. So so Dave Bautista gets his crew together and they're going to go in and get this money for Mr. Tanaka, I think. But his daughter is working in this refugee camp right outside the border of the city. And her friend is there and her friend's kids are there. And I don't understand. This is six years later. I don't understand what this refugee, like people have been out of Vegas now for six years. Why have these people in this camp like not moved on? And why does Katie need money to get this lady's kids out of the camp? I can tell you that, I think. Because I okay. went back and I went back and watched it a second time, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the these refugees originally I mean they're all from Vegas they left everything behind and you know this was the, they got outside of the wall but they're in a quarantine zone they have nowhere to go they've cleared quarantine 
but they literally have no resources, no support, and nowhere else to go. And when she, when when her friend Gita that you're talking about with the kids was talking yeah. about wanting to get back into the city, she wanted to just find. This was she had nothing to do with the heist we're learning about. She just wanted to go in there and pop open a slot machine and get enough money to pay for someone to get her out of the. To clear her to get her out of the camp. Okay. All right. Um, so they're not being held in the camp. It's just that they don't have any money to go somewhere else. Right. And the local military, you know, they are, you know, judge, jury, and executioner. And they're abusing that by, by you know, manhandling the women. And, you know, at any moment, if they don't like your attitude, they can say, oh, your body temperature dropped. You've gotten, the, you've, you're infected. And then put a bullet in their head. So Got they it. use it to control and rape and... You know, okay. all those things. Okay. So um, I loved the team. I loved the team. You know, I didn't, I I thought, and it, it was, like I, I was anticipating it to be more tongue-in-cheek and more ridiculous and over the top. Right. I really didn't find it to be that way. Like it was enjoyable because it, I wouldn't say that it didn't take itself too seriously because I felt like it was, serious but it was like there were a couple of moments like at the one point oh my god when they're talking about getting like we're going to be able to get <laughs> mr tanaka's like you're going to be able to get it you're going to get out easy peasy japanese and then the one guy's like <laughs> we, can't say that like, no we more. don't we don't say that anymore and then the other person's like i think I think he can say that. Mr. Naka's like, I'm I'm Japanese. It's okay. And he's like, well, we say easy squeezy lemon, easy peasy lemon squeezy. And then Mr. T- like that, that part made me chuckle. But other than that, like it didn't feel like there were a lot of parts that were like funny. Yeah. And, well, and I don't know. I just, I thought it was really good because it didn't take itself too seriously, but it wasn't humorous and it wasn't like, crazy intense except for when it was crazy intense i don't know there was just something i felt i just thought it was so well balanced that it really did catch my attention after you know the first 20 minutes and then i was in i was really in that character that was trying to correct him even you know about the lemon squeezy dieter uh Mm -hmm. he, he is so popular with all the the test audiences and his internet fans they are making a prequel featuring him and it's Get called out. Army of Thieves, and it's going to be about some post-zombie breakout. Um, uh, high, I think it's a heist movie, though. But it's a post-zombie breakout like adventure I movie. I read about that him. they were going to have a couple sequels. That they had two sequels already, like one, scheduled. One is an anime a prequel. Pre- prequel, sorry. Yeah, yeah. One is going to be an anime, and it's called Lost Army of the uh, Army of the Dead, Lost Vegas. And it's okay. going to be a bunch of these characters leading up to... Pro- I hate that they killed all of the people we love. Like, I, I love right. these characters. <laughs> every, yeah. Almost every single character had enough depth. You could see their motivation. They weren't just a Marine that got on the chopper. Um, and then when you lost them, you you lost them. And you felt it. Like, I thought that was really, you know, good writing and, and good character development. And I do have to say one other thing, you know, going off screen again, but... Um, Tig Notaro, who played the, um, oh, the helicopter She was pilot. not not supposed to be the helicopter pilot. Have you guys read about this? I it's, did. Yeah, so her whole thing is, her whole role is CGI. Um, Dave Bautista has not even met her. And I thought yeah. that was insane. I look, Again, that's one of the reasons that made me want to go back and watch the movie over again. Because it was just like, it, how do they do that? You, it was awesome. You couldn't even notice, to be honest. Yeah. At, all. Looked, no, at and, all. And, and speaking of, just 
I mentioned the zombie tiger. Like, you would think it would look kind of bad. It looked no. awesome. And that's yeah. the thing that I really liked about the movie is the the level of zombies. Like, they had the scramblers, which were like the foot soldier zombies. Then yep. you had the alpha zombie. And the only way to become an alpha zombie was if you got bit by the alpha zombie. Mm-hmm. So, like, the alpha zombie wasn't, like, a brainless zombie that didn't know anything like he no. had a plan he had a queen he, he had, had a he, baby he rode, he rode yeah. horses like right. it was like he it was legit an army of the dead like it wasn't just crazy zombies like in world war z or in walking dead it was they had a plan like they had like a society and even when they went into vegas the the one girl lily who who was like a coyote getting people in and out of vegas she was like, there are rules, and we have to obey by the rules, so we're going to sacrifice this one of the guards from the refugee camp who was like a jerk. Mm-hmm. We're going to sacrifice him so that the, the alphas will leave us alone, let us do what we need to do here. Yeah, and I it, thought that was fascinating. And it wasn't I, and until it, they killed his queen that the alpha was like, oh, no, now it's a wrap. Well, and, and that I makes them scarier he, zombies. Zombies yes. that can think are way scarier than mindless zombies. Because mindless zombies, you can trick. But thinking zombies are scary. I think <laughs> scarier. You know. I I loved when he pulled his little zombie fetus out of her decapitated body. I oh my god, like, that was something what? you don't see in zombie movies. They're breathing. <laughs> Omg. Yeah. But then um, and mourning and mourning the yes. loss of his child and his queen. And and so here's what I thought. And there are a couple. I'm going to throw out a couple of things that to support this argument. I found a huge parallel in this to the Alien franchise. Because okay. The way the zombies all communicated, it wasn't necessarily verbal. It was hissing and gestures, but they knew what was up. And when mm-hmm. one guy was mad, the other the rest of the army got, you know, they rallied. Right, and high mentality. When, yeah. when Coyote pulled out the queen's head and held it up in front of him, he backed away. Like, you know, he knew that she was still, her, her brain was still there. She had value. I'm going to back up. Just like when Ripley is waving the flamethrower over the eggs, you know? Right, but then right. It also had... Um, the Chambers character, um, the uh, the friend who the, the friend of the internet guy that that liked to kill folks on Reddit, um, mm-hmm. um, fa- uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Guzman, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Chambers, his girl, his friend, um, uh, she reminded me of Vasquez from Aliens, mm-hmm. um, with the bandana and the just like that that sort of you know I'm gonna kick your ass attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had the corporate guy selling military or selling this alien tech to military to be weaponized, just like in right. aliens. And then even at the end, when they got to the roof and the chopper was gone, that oh. was that was the end of aliens. When Ripley caught up there with Newt and the and the robot guy had flown away, but then poof, he was really there. He had just left the platform. Uh, so right. I thought that was cool. And again, the you know taking a movie, you know series that I love and merging it with this genre of zombies that I love. Again, points, tens across the board. Points for everyone. Right. Yeah. And there were just good, a lot of good, like, memorable scenes, too. Like, the one scene where they, I guess, they first got into the hotel and you got Batista laying, like, the the glow sticks down on the floor and they're, like, oh. slow. Cause again, we have now a different kind of zombie where they're, like, don't don't look at them, don't touch them, don't flash your lights, don't make a noise. They're hibernating. So now you got hibernating zombies who are just, like, stand, sleeping, standing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you have the scene where it's Batista, um, Guzman, and uh, I forget who else was with them. 
but they were like in the casino floor and they're fighting all the zombies at the same mm-hmm. time. Like it was just very good action. Very like they had funny moments too. Like you said, Amy, I I was laughing during the uh, when they were trying to figure out how to set off the booby traps before they got to the. Safe. <laughs> that was great. Yes. So yes. like it was just it, it was all around. It had a little bit of everything. They it had really the gore in the guts. It had the funny part. It had the action, mm-hmm. and it just. I thought it was really well done. It was. It's funny that the glow sticks on the floor scene. um, So first of all, the hibernating zombies. Again, Mark, you were just talking about its parallels to aliens. I found the glow sticks on the floor scene different, but kind of reminiscent to my favorite movie, which is Jurassic Park, right? That scene in the kitchen where they're hiding from the dinosaurs, but there's the noise and, and they bang the pots and pans and that winds up alerting to the velociraptor to where they are. And, you know, that there was that, but then the hibernating zombies, because again, these are very different zombies. But then with the hibernating, my husband was like, like zombies don't hibernate. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, and then I was like, remember in World War Z, like when they're Mm -hmm. not active they were just kind of like standing in the hallway in that laboratory and then in i am legend mm-hmm. when his dog goes into that building and then again he walks in and shines the light right on them and they're just kind of standing there like <laughs> you know like huffing and puffing in a corner together but again if they're not activated by like a sound they do kind of go into that hibernation so i liked the fact that as different as these zombies were this is going to sound so stupid but I felt some comfort in the fact that they were they were still like I always think in my head like okay if I'm ever in a zombie apocalypse like what am I gonna do how am I gonna manage this right and it's it makes me a little panicky to think like oh my god but what if there's zombies like I've never seen before like these are smart zombies but the the army the soldiers still did the things that I think you know zombies do like hibernate and like pause and rest and be activated by the sound and those types of things you even had those zombies that were like only activated like with water or if it rained yeah what was that i thought that was fascinating which was interesting because at the end of the movie yes oh it rains uh so yeah you see like the storm in the background where like they where vegas was yeah right so like that's a little like (laughs) sequel yeah 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 But none of them should have survived within Vegas. So the rain shouldn't... I mean, that was a nuclear bomb. Nothing should still be able to wake up in Vegas. So the rain shouldn't matter. Who can just walk out with a few suitcases full of money. How did he get out of the safe? So let's talk about the (laughs) ending. Before we do, can I throw out a couple things? Sure. So, again, Chambers, the character that was friends with Guzman, uh, I liked her for so many reasons. I thought she was cool and badass and... And when right at the beginning, when Martin, the corporate friend of Tanaka, is trying to hit on her and she's like, I don't trust you. I don't like you. You know, like I was like, "Okay, this chick is cool. They spent a moment in the hangar when Dieter made his comment about how do we kill these zombies? And then like, does anyone else here not has anyone else here never killed a zombie? Yeah. And she she raises her hand and I'm like, they gave that screen time. And then all of a sudden. When Martin screws her over and she's trapped in the room full of zombies and they're waking up left and right, she is a ninja. And I'm like, right. where did that come from? And then she busts her way out of this enclosed room, you know, 400 zombies hanging off of her. She's already killed another 400, whatever. She looks at her friend Guzman and instead of yelling, Martin did this to me, she yells, Oh my God, we Word. said the same thing. Go. Yes. Go, run. And I'm like, really? 
Right. We thought the Martin, same it should have been, thing. It should have been a Martin did this to me. I know. Yes. Yes. Um, we saw the same exact thing. Yeah, I was a little... Same with agreed. Katie. His daughter, mm-hmm. right? She's, you know, she works in this refugee camp, but suddenly she's shooting zombies through the eye without <laughs> missing as they're running at her down a hallway. And I'm like, stop it. You know? Yeah. Um, but But let's talk about this ending to this movie, right? So... So Vanderhoe, um, Dieter saves him, right? They're, they're both down in the, in the vault uh, level of the, of the hotel casino, and they can see the zombies starting to break through the ceiling of the elevator, and they look at each other, and they both go, the money. And they run for the safe, and they're, they're killing the zombies left and right, and then here comes the alpha, and, you know, he, he starts to fight, and he's, he's, he's going for Van, Vanderhoe, puts down his weapons, and, like, is like, all right, let's fist fight. And so then he just totally gets whooped by the Alpha, and then Dieter pops in and, like, shoves Vanderhoe in the safe and sacrifices himself to um, the Alpha so that Vanderhoe can be safe. So... Obviously, because he's in this enormous safe, he's protected from the nuclear blast. It didn't relock when it closed. It just closed. So my guess is that the nuke goes off. He waits a little while because, I mean, we don't know what the time difference was from when everybody else got out. The bomb goes off and when Vanderhoe comes out. Like, we don't know what that time is. Um, right. And then he comes out. And he's walking across the desert with bags of money. He comes upon this empty house and then he winds up getting himself to an airport. And then he winds up renting a private jet with his money. And then in the plane, he is not feeling well. And, uh, you know, the airline stewardesses are like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I just need to go to the bathroom. And he goes to the bathroom. And when he does, of course, he's been wearing, like, this big scarf. And I'm like, move the scarf, dude. You've been bitten. And then he buys Apocalypse Pashmina. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is that? Like, fashion in the apocalypse? So then, uh, you know, he does. And we see the the, the bite. And, again, like, I feel like I, I had a couple issues. So, first of all, when uh, when Scott, Dave Batista, when he and his daughter are out and the airplane has crashed and we know that he's been bitten, right? He turns in like a minute. He does, but I also felt like, but he, you know, he lives long enough to be able to have this meaningful conversation with his daughter. Um, but I feel like because he knows the guilt that he had to live with in killing his ex-wife or killing his wife. I don't know if they were still married at the time, but he knows what he had to go through and the guilt that he feels for having to kill her when she turned into a zombie. Mm -hmm. The fact that he didn't just put that pistol to his head and spare his daughter that, like she had to kill him. And now she's got to live with that. And I thought that was a strangely selfish thing for him to do when I didn't feel like he was a selfish character with regards to his daughter, at least. So I thought that was weird that he didn't do that for her. Then we have Vanderhoe, who's in the airplane bathroom. He sees that he's been bitten. So the first question is, how long has this been now that he hasn't turned yet? But I think it would have been better if because the airline stewardess mentions him, she's like, ooh, your skin is really cold. Which says to me, he's dead, right? right? He's a different kind of zombie. I think it would have been better if instead of looking at the bite and then saying the F word and go into black, if he had like felt for his pulse. Mm-hmm. 
and found that he had no pulse. And then he said, you know what I mean? Just like, let's verify that he's dead and he's a zombie. And I kind of felt like, again, just shoot yourself in the head, man. But he can't because then there can't be a sequel. So I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. I had those last two actions of both of those characters, I just felt like were very selfish because you know that like you know if they make a sequel it's not going to start with him shooting himself because then there's no purpose to the sequel um so it's gonna wind up being him and i feel like he's a new kind of zombie and i don't know why i don't know if it's because he's in the military and maybe they've given him something before he went in or if it's you know i don't know why it affected him differently why he's been able to live with the bite Maybe because they didn't take a chunk out of him, they just bit him. Yeah, I don't that know. was a good, that's that's a solid couple of hours because one he was in the safe for yeah. a long right, mm-hmm. the flight, driving to the airport, like so it's definitely. I'm been thinking a while. days. While, I'm while thinking everyone days. else, while everyone else turned relatively quickly, right. So that was exactly. that, I feel like I feel like if they don't address that somehow in a sequel. I'll be a little upset about it. Like that will kind of piss me off, to be honest with you. Because I agree. I, everything else, like, kind of made like as stupid as it sounds. Everything else kind of made sense. Right <laughs> for me, the two my my two biggest sources of of grief, things that made me sad in this movie. Number one, and Amy, I'm like you. I always think about me in the zombie apocalypse, and I'm like, okay, right. my my kids never listen to me. How will I keep them safe? Like, if there's a horde coming, but. Right. So at that begin in the opening credits when they had that sort of little backstory and there was that mom looking for her daughter and holy crap she found her daughter and then uh, the zombies grab the mom the daughter runs back into the mom's arms and she holds her daughter while they get devoured and then squashed like that broke my heart and I'm like right it's the opening credits and I want to die like what so I'm glad I got over that for the rest of the movie because I love the movie but the other thing was you know Vanderhoe and Dieter meet. And they have this whole buddy comedy, like like you know, yes. I got, yes. I've got some Thelma and Louise, I've got some Tango and Cash, whatever it is, I'm here for it. And then they die, <laughs> like right. So so I can't have a prequel, I can't have a sequel. I'm gonna need someone to write some fan fiction so I can just find <laughs> out like what a great friendship they have and and laugh it and love it. <laughs> right, I agree, I agree. I don't know. So for me, this is a thumbs up. Absolutely. Oh, it's it's an unexpected to... thumbs up from me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're a high movie expert now. It no, was it was a sigh of relief thumbs up movie for me because I was afraid it was gonna be another stupid zombie movie and I really My only concern was people trash Zack Snyder and all his movies. So mm-hmm. I was like, Oh man, let, don't let this one be one that gives those people fuel to add to right. fire. But I thought it was I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Let me tell you guys something that's going to send you both back to your Netflix accounts like right when we end this conversation. Um, okay. Right at the beginning of the movies, a couple of things. So the uh, the, the code, the, the handle for the military uh, troop that's leading, you know, um, Alpha out of that, that military base is mm-hmm. the, four, the Four Horsemen, as in the Apocalypse, which I thought was cool. They're right. coming from Area 51. Right. And... You get that from the conversation the two guys in the car are having about what could right. be transporting. Go back to watch literally the very beginning as the convoy is leaving Area 51. In the background, there are two lights. And you're like, are those stars? What are they? Because they're really bright. And as the convoy pulls away, the two lights go pew, pew, off into space. Alien <laughs> zombie. Get out. Go, go back and watch it. You don't even have to watch it for a whole minute. <laughs> 
God damn it. Alien <laughs> zombies. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. We're going to have to watch now. <laughs> well, that, but that's, that's good to know. Like, again, that's, like, I, I, I really wanted to know, like, about the, like, did the army do this on purpose or are they now just trying to capitalize on it, right? Like, this idea of bringing the, which, by the way, the double cross with, you know, the, the bad guy had the queen's head, which mm. I was like, why would you kill her? You know, that's just going to anger the alpha and you're Word. not going to get out of here. Um, but he takes the queen's head because it turns out that that's what Tanaka wants. He doesn't want the money. Mm-hmm. He wants the queen's head so that they can get her blood, so that they can create their own army of zombies. And then down in the safe, um, the one woman whose name escapes me, um, she takes a money Coyote. counter. Yes, Coyote. And again, in another, again, for me, one of my other favorite movies, I felt like she did an Indiana Jones when he swaps out the bag of yeah. sand for the idol. <laughs> right? She like word, she picks word. up the money counter and she's like, hmm, this is about the same head, weight as the head. And um, she swaps that out. So then when he goes up to the top and he thinks he's got the head, he finds the other money counter. And then, of course, he gets eaten by the tiger, which I <laughs> I was rooting for that zombie tiger. Every time that zombie tiger threw him against another post, I was like, yeah. Yep. So it was great to see him get his in that in that scene. But again, great movie. So well done. There was nothing not to like in this movie. I just, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really a great movie. So, all right. Anybody have anything that's uh, on their radar coming up? Yeah, I got a uh, sweet tooth. Okay, me that's, too. That, that's a comic book movie, I believe, based well, it's okay. based off the comics, and I'm pretty sure it's produced by Robert Downey Jr. Okay, so definitely, definitely want to peep that. High on the Hog, I think I mentioned that's the yes African American cuisine transformed America. That looks real good. Fatherhood, but that doesn't come out to the middle of June. That's what's Kevin Hart. And I believe, oh, Lupin season two comes out June eleventh. I like that. Oh, you really liked season one. That's yeah. right. I, I never did. watched that, was that good. one. That's a that's a good heist movie, just for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll probably probably watch the Baggio documentary, soccer player, Italian soccer player. I'll probably watch that. Okay. That's really all I got well, on my list. I'm super excited because, and I don't know if you ever wound up watching it, Diego. And Mark, I don't know if you watched it, but I loved Ragnarok uh, season one. And season two is coming out on Thursday, and I cannot wait. That was another one that totally caught me by surprise, and I just fell in love with it. So I have that on my list. It's coming out Thursday. I had Sweet Tooth on my list as well, coming out June 4th. Lucifer has new episodes coming out May 28th. Yay. Oh my God, I love that show so much. I so, I'm so excited. That. I've you never really seen do. it. Oh my God, that's another one. It is so well done. I, Tom Ellis, oh, stop it. Um, I want to see Blue Miracle, <laughs> which is coming out. Relax, relax. <laughs> Blue Miracle is coming out on Thursday. That looks good. Flipped on June 1st um, with my little guy. I want to see Dog on Trouble, which is coming out on Friday. Two Hearts is June 2nd, I want to see. And then American Woman, which is coming out on Wednesday. So I've got a couple that uh, that I want to see. And I'm almost done with Call the Midwife, so I'll, I'll have some time now to watch these things. What about you, Mark? Yeah, well, so for me, uh, I, it's, it's catching up on Love, Death, and Robots because I'm loving okay. what I'm yes, seeing. Yes. Uh, I was excited about Blue Miracle, too, because I, I love Dennis Quaid, like mm-hmm. on and off screen. So I'm, right. I'm looking forward to seeing that. 
Um, and then finishing off uh, Who Killed Sarah season two. Oh, that's right. That's right. Good deal. Well, thank right. you for being with us again, yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark. My thanks. pleasure. Thanks for helping us out, filling, filling in. Really and audience, that. audience, if you enjoyed my performance, please call 1-800-BOOMTRON-1. That's 1-800-BOOMTRON-1 to vote for Mark. <laughs> well, Mark, no, we'll I definitely have time. you on. Thanks, guys. We definitely, definitely love your insight, man. You definitely bring stuff that, like, a lot of Easter egg knowledge, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I really appreciate that. And, if, and folks uh, listening... Definitely check out the Facebook page. Leave us a comment. Leave us a question. Recommendations. Shows that you're watching. Anything like that. And uh, anything else, Amy, Mark? Share. No, that's share, it. Share yeah, with share with your friends. Share with your friends. If you enjoy this, tell people about it, please. Yes, please share. Please comment. Please subscribe. Please download. And until next time, thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Just a disclaimer here, no members of the Boomtron podcast are employed by Netflix, nor do they have any business ties with the Netflix Corporation. This podcast for entertainment purposes only, and all Netflix news and information that is shared is simply what these three yahoos found online.